welcome. I'm your host, Danny Torres, and thanks for tuning in for another exciting Talking 21 podcast, the official podcast dedicated to the extraordinary life and legacy of the legendary 21, Roberto Clemente Walker. Once again, I want to thank our faithful pod listeners who have continued to spread the word via social media and word of mouth. It's been wonderful to read some pretty amazing reviews, and I just wanted to acknowledge those loyal fans, and most importantly, my own family and close friends. For episode seven, I thought we would go in a different direction with our next guest. Our previous episodes, we've had some of Roberto's friends and teammates, a Roberto Clemente Award winner, a Baseball Hall of Famer, and even a former general manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers. But as Dave Cash, Roberto's teammate, mentioned in our last episode, Roberto always felt a certain kinship with the common man. And our next guest represents this particular group. Pittsburgh native Robert Miller lives and breathes with the Pirates. Growing up in the city of Bridges, those great ball clubs of the 1960s and 70s were a critical aspect of his childhood. And yet there was one extraordinary Puerto Rican player who captured his imagination. As a kid, Robert went to countless games at Forbes Field and Three Rivers Stadium to watch the Buckles with his late father. He even remembers his first game in 1965. Like so many of us, Robert became enamored with the Pirates right fielder and can vividly recall some of his proudest moments on the field. Sadly, events that occurred on December 31st, 1972 would also leave a lasting impact on a young Robert. Eventually, he would learn the reason behind his idol's tragic airplane accident while en route to deliver relief supplies after a devastating earthquake in Nicaragua. To this day, Robert continues to walk in the footsteps of his namesake and childhood idol. He even said this to me, the role models in my life were my grandfather, my father, and Roberto Clemente. These gentlemen made me who I am. Robert, or I think now we could say Roberto, was the kind of guy Clemente was drawn to. In one of Clemente's final interviews, he actually said, I am in the minority group. I represent the poor people. I represent the common people of America. And as such, it was important for us as the Talking 21 podcast to share that perspective with our listeners. Robert, today you're representing, as Roberto Clemente once said, the common people of our country. Thanks for joining us on the Talking 21 podcast, and we're really excited to hear your unique perspective on the great one. What can you tell our listeners about your home state of North Carolina? Well, I've lived here in Charlotte uh, since 1983. Moved down here after I graduated from college up at Edinburgh University, which is outside of Pittsburgh. Came down here and have a degree in accounting and got uh, involved in the tax business and have been working in the tax business for 31 years. Met my wife in 2009. She's originally from Peru and she works in the banking business. Uh, Charlotte's a wonderful town, a lot of Pittsburgh people down here. Uh, we do have a AAA baseball team here, affiliated with the Chicago White Sox, but I do miss uh, Pittsburgh. I have a brother and a sister up there still, and uh, other relatives and friends and all that. 
You know, that's great to hear that news there. So first, you were born on uh, August 30th, 1960, which happens to be the same month as Roberto's birthday and the year the Yankees lost to the Pittsburgh Pirates in the 1960 World Series. You were also born in the same hospital that Roberto would often visit the sick and infirmed. Share with our listeners and describe what your earliest recollections were of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was a wonderful, wonderful city to grow up in. Uh, yeah, I was born in Allegheny General Hospital, which is right there on the north side. Um, matter of fact, I just spoke with my mother today. She's 90 years old, and I was talking to her about uh, Bill Mazeroski's uh, famous hit, uh, the 1960 World Series. And of course, I was only two months old, but she said she recalls holding me in her arms, rocking me. But my father was actually at that particular game that day. That was an afternoon game. Um, as far as growing up in Pittsburgh, I'm one of uh, six or eight children, five brothers, two sisters. And uh, we were always, always active. Um, grew up in a small little community just north of uh, Pittsburgh, an area called Ingemar North, about eight miles north of downtown area. Um, just a lot of good memories playing baseball uh, in, the, in the summertime, played hockey in the wintertime. Um, just uh, my grandparents, my mother's parents only lived about two miles from us. They were very close. Uh, we were a very close-knit family. Um, uh, we had a lot of very, very close friends. It was just a, a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, city to grow up in. And of course, went to a lot of pirate games and, and things like that. So um, anybody asked me, um, even to this day, where are you from? Uh, my heart is in Pittsburgh. That's where I come I'm from. And I'll tell you, I've been to Pittsburgh often, so I could only uh, imagine why you say that often in Charlotte. You know, sadly, um, Robert, you lost your father in 1988. And yet I was happy to hear that uh, your beloved mother is still alive at the age of 90. Talk about that close relationship between your late father and uh, the trips to uh, Forbes Field and eventually Three River Stadium. Yes, uh, my dad, uh, after he came out of uh, World War II, uh, which would have been roughly around 1945, um, he took a job, um, automatically went into, uh, took a job uh, with a family-owned Chevrolet dealership there in Pittsburgh, Parker Chevrolet. And uh, so he had a lot of connections um, with the Pirates organization, uh, also with the Steelers organization uh, through his work. Uh, some of the guys... Uh, that played on the team were customers of his, uh, some of the uh, coaching staff, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So he knew a lot of the guys on the team. Um, and uh, my dad, I had a business acumen about me. So as I was growing up, I was very close with my dad um, in that I would talk you know, business with him when he'd come home from work. I'd ask him, did you sell any cars today, et cetera, et cetera. But my dad was also very athletic. Uh, and he loved baseball. He loved football. Um, and my recollection of going to the first, my first Pirates game uh, was 1965. I can remember. And my dad took us, uh, my brothers and I, down to Forbes Field, which was the old ballpark, which was right there where the University of Pittsburgh was located. And uh, I can remember, uh, you know, going in and we sat on the first baseline. And I remember uh, I saw this fella standing out there in right field in a pirate jersey, um, number 21. And I, from that point forward, he made a great catch. Um, and I just remember uh, that feeling of, wow, 
this guy is amazing. And keep in mind, Pirates had a lot of great players on that team, uh, including Willie Stargell and Bill Verdon and, and all of those guys. But Clemente, Roberto was, uh, was my man uh, from that point forward. Um, but I, I, I took a liking to the Pirates uh, uh, team right from the beginning and played baseball and imitated Roberto when I played in right field. Uh, things like of that nature. Now I could say this, and I'm a little jealous. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a little jealous that here it is 50 years ago. You were 10 years old and you were at Three River Stadium, which was relatively a new ballpark. That same month, the month of July, there was actually a Roberto Clemente Day, an actual celebration in honor of the great one. So, so here it is. I want you to give me some insight on that particular moment. Yeah, on Roberto Clemente Day, the Pirates had just um, moved into um, Three Rivers Stadium from Forbes Field. They were actually supposed to move into four or into Three Rivers at the beginning of the 70 season, but due to construction delays, they didn't. Well, the first game was July uh, 17, 1970. Uh, and I remember um, watching with my uh, family, we were watching that first series, uh, the home series against the Cincinnati Reds uh, on my parents' brand new color TV. And I can remember seeing on the TV, the, you know, the, the AstroTurf and things like that. But never really got an appreciation for how pretty that stadium was until the following week. Uh, my parents uh, took us down to the ball game that Friday night, July 24th, 1970. And I can remember like it was yesterday walking in. We sat out there in right field, gate C. And I remember going up the escalators and going in, walking into the ballpark. And the first thing I saw was that AstroTurf. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And uh, we sat there, uh, out there in right field, I had my binoculars. And that was uh, Roberto Clemente night. And I remember um, right from the beginning, he had some uh, young kids from Puerto Rico, uh, ball players there down on the field. And then he also had the children from uh, the crippled children from Children's Hospital down there on the field with them. Uh, they had uh, all these seats lined up on the first baseline for family and friends. Uh, and I remember um, the mayor of Pittsburgh, Pete Flaherty, speaking to the crowd first. Uh, and then um, Roberto's very, very close friend, Bob Prince, the Pirates announcer, got up and spoke. And then I remember Roberto getting up there to speak. And Roberto got up there to speak and he started speaking in English and he made it about a minute into the speech. Um, and then he stopped and I looked through my binoculars and you see that famous uh, pose of him leaning his head down. Um, and he stopped uh, and, and I could I could see that he was crying. Um, and then Vera got up out of her chair, Roberto's wife, and came walking over to him and held um, Roberto in her arms and said something to, her, uh, to him at that moment he composed himself uh and then um he started speaking in spanish uh and by that time this 10 year old boy uh right here was crying um it was just such an emotional emotional evening and we gave him a standing ovation uh i want to say it was five ten minutes standing ovation and that evening they played the houston astros and they beat him up pretty good that night but roberto had two uh two hits in that game and he had uh, a, a fantastic catch uh, chasing the ball down the uh, right field line almost right there at the fence where the bullpen was but that was a 
a beautiful evening uh, to honor Roberto. Um, 43,000 uh, or so folks in the, in the stadium that evening. Now, you know, it's interesting as someone who was just 10 years old, it just really tells me how much Roberto impacted your life at such an early age. So now we're going to go two years later, 1972. You know the date. We all know the date. And that's September 30th, 1972. They're playing my New York Mets. And John Matlack is on the pitcher's mound for that record-setting September date and how he connected with that historic final regular season at bat against that Met left, left-handed pitcher. He entered the red record books with hit number 3,000. As a 12-year-old, so this is two years later from Roberto Clemente Day, you were there. I'd love to hear what the stadium felt like, the cheers, and witnessing Clemente standing at second base. And I'm gonna ask you this point blank, do you still have that scorecard? I, I still have my game program. I would like to say, I'd like to roll back to the night before, uh, the Friday night, September 29th, 1972. And that's when Tom Seaver was pitching for the Mets that evening. And Roberto came up to bat and uh, smacked uh, a Seaver pitch to the Mets second baseman who bobbled the ball. Roberto reached first base in uh, the scoreboard at Three Rivers said hit number 3000 and we all stood up and cheered and then in about a minute later or so they announced on the PA system there at Three Rivers um, it was rolled in error and uh, you know so that you know of course we booed but looking back Roberto even said it was the correct call um, so the next the, the Friday night game was actually a lot more crowded um, the next day um, went back to uh, the next day, and it was a Saturday afternoon game. Um, it was kind of overcast. Um, not many people there. I want to say maybe 13,000 people there. And uh, yes, I, I do remember him coming up and uh, striking that uh, Matlack pitch to left center. Um, and uh, Roberto obviously reached second base. Um, if that photo had not been taken of, of that famous pose of him at second base, I probably would have almost forgotten about that. What I remember the most of the, about that was at the end of that particular inning, I remember there was, I was sitting out in right field, same spot. Um, and I remember uh, there was a bunch of people from, must've been from Puerto Rico or what have you, sitting over in center field. And when Roberto at the end of that inning came walking back out into right field, uh, they all stood up and were yelling to him in Spanish. And of course, I didn't know any Spanish at that time at all. So I didn't know what they were yelling to him. Uh, but he uh, took his hat off and he acknowledged them. And that's what I really remember the most. And then what I remember at the end of that game, they actually had pulled Roberto uh, in the seventh inning of that particular game um, to get him ready for the playoffs coming up against Cincinnati. Um, but what I remember at the end of the game, I had my binoculars and I remember Willie Mays, who was on the Mets at that time, um, getting uh, coming out of his dugout and walking directly across the field over to Roberto in the Pirates dugout and standing there um, and of course talking with him. And you see the photos of that with Willie and uh, Roberto. There was a tremendous amount of respect between those two great ball players. You know, um, once again, uh, Robert, it's just fascinating to hear how you're really pretty much just describing each moment from the moment that he connects, he's standing at second base, 
to being in the dugout with Willie Mays. And it's just fascinating to really get that perspective from a fan. And this happened so many years ago. But, you know, I purposely wanted to talk about the 3,000th hit because it would happen two years later. But here it is now, this upcoming year, 2021, we're going to be celebrating the 50th anniversary of the 1971 Pittsburgh Pirates because we all know what happened in the previous year before Clemente connects with hit number 3,000. We know that Roberto was the MVP. We also know that the Pirates won the World Series. So put me now as someone who obviously did not grow up in Pittsburgh, but now you are there. Not necessarily, I'm not even sure if you were at one of the World Series games, but at least give me the perspective of someone who certainly is quite familiar with all of those players, certainly the number one player in Robert's life, Roberto Clemente, but give me the perspective of how you saw Clemente's teammates. He had so many great teammates. You could go around the horn, starting with Manny Sanguin, Bob Robertson, um, you know, Bill Mazeroski, uh, Dave Cash, Gene Alley, Jackie Hernandez, Jose Bacon, uh, Richie Hebner, Willie Stargell, um, Vic Davalio, Al Oliver, Steve Blast, the whole crew, that so many great players on that particular team. Um, and um, I just remember the Pirates were actually, I did not make it to any of those games, um, that particular series, but I remember um, the Pirates being down the first two games against that great pitching staff for Baltimore, uh, four 20 game winners, and thinking, oh, wow, we're in trouble. Uh, but, you know, I knew that with Clemente, with Roberto, uh, we're never, never in trouble. Uh, and I just remember uh, how great he played. And I, it was his moment uh, to shine to the rest of the world, to, to a lot of the fans that never really got a chance to see him play because they lived in different cities um, or lived in an American League city, if you will. This was Roberto's moment to show the entire baseball world what we had witnessed for the previous 16 seasons in Pittsburgh. Uh, unfortunately, I think he was hidden uh, by the, the by the national media for so long. Um, and, uh, you know, I think deep down that bothered Roberto. Robert, let me ask you something, because certainly this just popped into my head right now. Could you think and you say he was hidden by the national media because let's be honest, he was a black Puerto Rican. You know, you just during that time period, we didn't necessarily promote players of color. Do you think, Robert, that might have been the case during that uh, time that Clemente played in Pittsburgh? Absolutely, I do. And I, I, not only was he a black Puerto Rican, but he was also one that would stick up for himself and stick up for his fellow Latino and black uh, teammates. He, he did not shy away from doing that. Roberto really had, um, if you look at his entire um, uh, career, he really had almost like two careers there in Pittsburgh. The front end uh, of his career when he first came to Pittsburgh, I, I can only imagine how rough that was for him. You know, coming from uh, Puerto Rico, struggling with the language, being a dark skin color, uh, and then, you know, dealing with the adversarial um, press, if you will, the news media there in Pittsburgh. 
who tried to at times embarrass him. You know, things the way they were written in the paper, things written phonetically, you know, I heat the ball, you know, H-E-E-T. Exactly. And that really bothered Roberto a lot because he was a very proud person and also a very intelligent person. And, and he thought that they were trying to to uh, make him look like he was not intelligent. Uh, but this, the, the back end of his career, as some of the Latino uh, teammates came in, and, you know, of course, then Billy Stargell, Manny Sangan, Jose Pagan, and all those guys arrived there in Pittsburgh. And as he matured, or as Roberto matured, um, he became the leader of that team. You know, back to the 71 World Series, what really touched my heart was at the end of that series, um, when Bob Prince asked Roberto to come over um, in the locker room, um, and Robert, I can still hear Bob Prince, um, you know, the greatest right fielder in the game of baseball, Roberto Clemente. Roberto, come on over. And, and Roberto said to Bob, Bob if I say anything uh, at all, I'd like to say something to my, um, my parents in Puerto Rico. And that was very, very, very touching, very moving. And let's also add to that, it was in Spanish. It was in exactly. Spanish. He spoke those words thanking his family, his parents, his children, and he said it all in his native language. And you know, coming up to now, that 71 season, like I mentioned, we're gonna be celebrating the 50th anniversary. Clemente uh, connecting with his 3000 fit in September of 72. But we all know what happens in December. And I'd like Robert, if you can, for our Talking 21 listeners to tell us what happened specifically with you when you heard the news that Clemente had passed away on December 31st, 1972. On, on that particular evening, of course, back then news did not travel like it does now. Now you can get your news instantly. But my family and I had actually, had, my dad was in the automobile business and he had acquired his own dealership and we had moved from about two hours out of Pittsburgh. Um, and um, on New Year's Day of January 1 of 73, um, we were in church, you know, of the Catholic faith. It was a holy day and we were in church that morning. And it just so happened we had some people in that church that were from Rico uh, that lived in that particular town. And the, the priest uh, also spoke Spanish and English. And I remember this uh, like it was yesterday. And I remember the priest making an announcement at the beginning of the mass. And he said something in Spanish. And I remember seeing these folks sitting over from me in the look on the, this lady's face. And I couldn't figure out for a second what was wrong. And then he made the announcement in English that Roberto's plane uh, had gone down and it was missing and they were still trying to find him uh, and the other people on board of the plane. And I remember that feeling of my heart just sunk. And I was like, oh my God, this, this, is, this can't be true. And then when we got back home from the mass, we immediately called my grandparents, my mother's parents in Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, and they told us, yes, um, this is what, what has happened. And uh, it was just, uh, uh, just a complete shock, like a death in the family for me personally, um, because I wanted to say that uh, the three most influential uh, men in my life is my father, my grandfather and Roberto Clemente, without question, those three. I remember that the feeling of shock and uh, and then that just hoping and praying it was all just a mistake and that they would find him and, and the rest of the people on that plane and then going to bed that night and uh, just, you know, crying that evening. It was just, 
uh, you know, 92 days prior, I'm sitting there watching him get his 3,000 hit, and and then here all of this just happened, and uh, it was just a, a complete uh, shock. But all these years later, um, I, I still have the original newspaper from the Pittsburgh paper from that event, uh, but I, I celebrate his life um, because his life is deserves to be celebrated. I just get a sense, Robert, since his passing, that it's been your mission to those who knew Roberto up close, to hear those personal stories. What has been like for you all of these years? And I know you also have a very, very great relationship with the uh, former Pittsburgh Pirates reliever, Bob Veal, who was one of Clemente's teammates and uh, a dear friend as well. So can you, for once again, our listeners, could you share any stories that uh, Mr. Veal um, conveyed to you about his uh, former teammate, who uh, sadly is no longer with us, but certainly still lives in his heart. Bob is a very, very nice uh, fellow. I've enjoyed uh, chatting with him. Um, I've called him, uh, you know, several times in the last couple of years. Very, very nice guy. And and we talked. He shared uh, many stories with me, but the one that I that sticks out to me is he said that. Uh, Roberto, um, if he went on a hitting streak, uh, he would wear the same shirt over and over and over until his hitting streak ended. Uh, and so he said he had he had his own little quirks, said prior to the game, like to have a back rub, a rub down, if you will. And he used to always ask Bob Beal because Bob was a big fella with big hands. And he used to always ask uh, Bob. Bob, can you give me a rub down? And Bob would joke around with him and say, Roberto, why me? How, how come not Tony Bartirum? And, and Roberto would say, well, Bob, because you have, you know, you have big hands and you do a good job. And uh, he just said that uh, he was a, a great teammate, a great leader, you know, and that uh, they were just also very fortunate to have him. And, and I wanted to share with you also the first time I met Al Oliver here, he was here in Charlotte on a promo with the AAA team here about four years ago, and I went over to the ball game that day, and uh, Al shared, I met Al uh, that day, and he shared with me a very touching story uh, that uh, when Al first got called up to Pittsburgh uh, from Columbus, he said that uh, he was sitting in the dugout, and he said his father had just passed away, Al's father had just passed away, and he said um, he was sitting in the dugout, and Roberto came over to him, and, and Roberto sat down next to him and said, Al, I know I know that you just lost your dad. I know this is very difficult, but I want to welcome you here to the Pirates team. If you have anything at all um, that you need, you come see me. So Roberto, he said Roberto was like a father figure to him, and Roberto treated the rookies um, just like the veterans. And I've heard that story often about how Roberto mentored those players that came up through the Pirates system and certainly was a father figure to a number of those guys, a big brother, so to speak. Um, you certainly have traveled to Puerto Rico. You've had the opportunity to meet Roberto's three boys. So you've had the opportunity to meet the boys. Any similarities? As a young boy growing up in Pittsburgh, sitting in Three River Stadium, I could have never imagined in a million years that I would end up meeting the Clemente family, but it all came to fruition for me. Back in 2015, my wife took a, um, a vacation down to Puerto Rico, and uh, prior to us going down there, asked the lady at the hotel, 
do they have anything for Roberto there? And she said, let me put you in touch with a lady over at the town hall in Little Carolina. And she put me in touch with Michelle um, Gabriel. And I told Michelle my story. And she said, when you and your wife come here to Puerto Rico, we will give you the grand tour. So we got to Puerto Rico. We said, we're here. And she came over. Uh, they came over, a whole group of them, the next day in a minibus and took us all over the place. I knew Roberto Clemente had brothers and sisters, but I thought they had all passed along. When Michelle told me that her um, Roberto's brother, Matino, was uh, was still alive, at that point in time, I, I had asked Michelle, is there any way possible while I'm on this island, I could have a chance to meet him? And Michelle made it happen for us. She took us over to Matino and Carmen's home, uh, and, and we visited with them that afternoon, uh, stood outside, and and that was very moving for me. And then a year later, uh, we got introduced to Matino and Carmen's two daughter, well, daughter Jeanette up there in Pittsburgh. And we've become very nice friends with Jeanette and Judith, her sister. Uh, and that particular, that was the uh, 45th celebration of the Pirates in Pittsburgh. And that was when I was introduced to Roberto Jr., um, my wife and I. And uh, yes, I see a similarity between him and his dad. Uh, we were introduced to him, and then two days later, we went back over to uh, say goodbye to, to Jeanette and her husband and had breakfast with them at the hotel, and that's when um, I met uh, Enrique, Ricky, um, my wife and I, and met him and his wife, Lorna, and I want to share this. Uh, we were, of course, my wife speaks Spanish, so that was a huge help, uh, so I was able to communicate with Ricky through my my wife, um, and um we have at the end of breakfast with Ricky, um, I said something to the effect, Ricky, um, I just want you to know that your father has left you and your two brothers a wonderful legacy of care and compassion for others. And Ricky went to give me a hug. And I, I just wanted to say that I could feel Roberto's spirit coming all through me that particular day. It was just like something I cannot describe. And then, and then from there, uh, we went back down to Puerto Rico and had a chance to meet Vera and Luis and uh, the, a bunch of the family, and it's been wonderful. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, I've known the family for a number of years as well, and I think beyond feeling Roberto's spirit, let's be honest, the Clemente boys have huge hands like their dad. So when they give you that handshake or that embrace, those are really where I see the similarities. They have huge, huge hands. You know, um, Robert, just listening to these stories, and certainly I've got a few myself of when I met Mrs. Clemente for the first time, but I'd like you now for our listeners to put us now in your shoes when you met Mrs. Clemente for the very, very first time in Puerto Rico. That was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, my wife and her mother and I decided to take another trip down to Puerto Rico. And of course we had let uh, Jeanette and Judith and, and Matino and Carmen know that we were coming down there. And they said, okay, when you come down, you know, we want to see you. And I said, oh, that's great. So we went over, um, we met up with Jeanette and uh, we went over and uh, spent the afternoon with, uh, with her parents that afternoon. And uh, that was a wonderful uh, afternoon. And then uh, toward the end of the afternoon, uh, Jeanette said that uh, um, Vera was uh, getting, gonna be getting back home from, uh, from church uh, and that uh, 
she wanted to have a chance to meet us. And uh, that was just a wonderful feeling. So we left uh, Jeanette's parents' house and we stopped at the store and um, Vera liked Bailey's Irish cream. Uh, so we stopped and got a, a bottle of that. Uh, and we got some uh, appetizers and some flowers. And uh, we went over, we drove over with Jeanette to her, uh, to her home and she came out the front door uh, with her little dog Kiwi and um, and uh, she, bienvenidos la casa, welcome to the house. And uh, we walked in and I can tell you, uh, I felt like I've known her my whole entire life. Um, and uh, Jeanette's husband uh, fixed us all a beverage and asked if I would do the toast. Uh, and I said, I would be honored to do so. Um, and I said something to the effect of, uh, that I could have never imagined in a million years that I would be standing here in the home of my childhood hero with such a wonderful family. Um, and, uh, and Mrs. Clemente, you were such an inspiration to, uh, you and Roberta were such an inspiration to all of us in Pittsburgh. Um, and that was just a, we spent a couple hours with her that evening. And what I, I will remember the most is, um, of course, she signed my jersey for me, uh, but I, I remember that when we went to leave, she said to us, she said, just remember, when you come back to Puerto Rico, you have another family, and that's the Clementes, and uh, that was very touching, and then I wrote her a letter um, a week after I got back and said how much we really enjoyed seeing her, and we have some wonderful photos of that, and she's, she's uh, such a kind-hearted soul and uh god rest her soul i was at the memorial service at the roberto clemente coliseum and you were actually there i spotted you because uh, our mutual friend paul kutch had said your name but it didn't dawn on me at that moment that literally almost a year later we will finally make the connection and certainly may she rest in peace because she was a gentle soul now you know again robert listening to you listening to your heartfelt stories, knowing how genuine you are, knowing so much how Clemente talked about the common people. I represent the common people, and I'm sure Clemente would have loved you, and I'm sure Clemente would have loved so many of our Talking 21 listeners who are just simply wanting to live and walk in the same footsteps of helping uh, the less fortunate. And there was a story that you shared with me that, you know, it really moved me that this is something that you did recently. You know, here it is that uh, there was a clothing drive to help a needy family or some needy families uh, from Honduras. And besides donating the shoes and the clothing, you donated a Clemente replica jersey. The gentleman, interesting enough, had no clue who Roberto was and because your wife is Peruvian and certainly speaks Spanish, Espanol, she was able to convey your words to this gentleman who you helped out, who you gave that Clemente replica jersey. So again, this is something going back to what you even text me the other day as well. You said, Danny, it's about sharing Roberto's legacy of kindness and compassion. That's my goal. Give me a little bit more insight of how that came to be, Robert. Well, I want to go back to, to my childhood in that watching Roberto uh, as a young child, I, I appreciated, I knew about Roberto's kindness and compassion, 
and I, but I, I appreciated his baseball uh, skills as a younger child, probably a little bit more. As I've gotten older, uh, I, I now appreciate his kindness and compassion as much as his baseball skills. And Roberto said many years ago, anytime you have a chance to help somebody that's coming up behind you and you don't, then you're wasting your time on this earth. And the thing, the people that I've met that, uh, that played baseball with Roberto, uh, that knew Roberto on a personal level, um, they've all said that uh, he was all about um, being nice to the common people. Um, I had a friend of mine, a good buddy of mine, whose mother was a nurse at the children's hospital there in Pittsburgh. And she said, Roberto used to come into the hospital, come in through the back door unannounced, didn't want any notoriety, but he was the type that would talk to anybody um, from the janitor all the way up uh, to the president of the hospital. And I've tried to keep that in mind as I go through life uh, to try to help people uh, and talk to people that a lot of people don't want to talk to. Uh, and give them um, give them encouragement when they're feeling down. Because I, I say to folks, um, if you really want to know about Roberto Clemente, take a look at the interview, the very last interview that was ever done by Sam Nover in October of 1972. That 30-minute interview, 29 minutes of it is nothing about baseball. It's about how to live our life, how he wanted to raise his children, uh, how he wanted his children to be, and talking about the common man. I will tell you that it's interesting you mentioned Sam Nover because I have to share a story with you one day. And it was in 2009, I actually interviewed Sam Nover. And that's actually one of my prize interviews that I cherish to this day. And sadly, he's no longer with us. But it's an amazing, Robert, as I'm listening to you. Here it is 60 years ago, you were born in the hospital that Roberto actually visited the sick and infirmed. And look what you're doing now 60 years later. So here it is, Robert. You've shared so much of your experience growing up a Pittsburgh Pirate fan, growing up a fan of the great one. But now, Robert, I'm going to put you in a position where, once again, the common man, the common person, has an opportunity to sit down with the commissioner of Major League Baseball a one-on-one to basically present to the commissioner of Major League Baseball why Clemente's number should be retired throughout Major League Baseball. Here it is, you are representing us. You can speak to the commissioner. Maybe it's something that you share right now for the Talking 21 listeners. What would Robert Miller say? I would say to the commissioner, I would say it would, I would hope and pray that, uh, that you would retire his number Roberto's number for what he stood for, for the Latin American community, the Latin American ball ballplayers, um, and, and what he what he was all about, and that was, you know, helping people uh, in, in their time of need. Um, I would also say that if you don't have it in your heart to, to retire his number, whatever you do, I beg you never, ever to take away that humanitarian award that you award once a year to a ball player um, in Major League Baseball that exemplifies what Roberto was all about. Because in my estimation, that humanitarian award um, is the most prestigious award in all the sports. It represents Roberto to a T. 
and I would hope and pray that they would never ever take that award away for whatever reason. But yes, I would say to the commissioner, um, he deserves to have his baseball, his jersey retired without question. Robert Miller, I want to say thank you very much. I want to maybe even say maybe you are truly the number one Roberto Clemente fan that I've ever met in my life. So to our Talking 21 listeners, I want to thank you so very much. Uh, and thank you so much. And I just want to say real quickly, I am one of many, many, many young boys and girls uh, from Pittsburgh that loved and admired Roberto. I am just a small piece of the puzzle. I think all of us, uh, if we had a little bit of Roberto in us, we could make a huge difference in this world. And I, it was an honor to have a chance to see you at Vera's uh, funeral service in Puerto Rico and also get a chance to meet Carol Bass, Paul Kutch, uh, and a lot of Roberto's teammates. And I, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart for bringing me on to your podcast. I thank you, Robert Miller. Once again, another great show, and I really enjoyed this conversation. Hearing some pretty amazing stories about your childhood in Pittsburgh, seeing Roberto Clemente up close, being introduced to the Clemente family, and most importantly, finally meeting Roberto's lovely wife, the late Mrs. Vera Clemente. She was truly a gentle soul. And finally, I wanna personally applaud your efforts in keeping Clemente's memory alive in your heart by what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. Until our next episode, many thanks for listening, and please be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Talkin21Podcast for all the latest information about our episode drops. If you are enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. And a very special thank you to our executive producer, Ras Guevara and Senor Basil. Tune in next time for our continued conversation about the great one. And as always, this is your host, Danny Torres. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at DannyT21.